Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to First Bite, our Detroit Lions preview podcast as part of the SB Nation Pride of Detroit family. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the producer over at prideofdetroit.com. You can find me at Detroit Online with me for this humongous week 14 matchup is senior editor of Pride of Detroit at Ryan underscore POD on Twitter. Ryan Matthews is here. Uh, I'm just laughing at Michael Kist booing a reef in the chat <laughs> already. Wow. It didn't take long. It didn't. I mean, and he hasn't even said anything yet. And and I'm not going to allow him to say anything until I properly introduce him either. Uh, but yes, it is Lions Vikings week, which means we get to bring back one of our favorite guests, apparently one of Michael Kiss's least favorite guests. He is a writer for Pro Football Network. He is a co-host of the Daily Nor- of Daily Norse. No, the Norse Code podcast. Uh, uh, Arif Hassan is here. Arif, welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me back. Uh, I would like to wish Michael Kist a very happy long walk off a short pier. And <laughs> I, enjoy, I enjoy being on this podcast at every possible opportunity. <laughs> well, uh, all right. I want, let's jump right into it. I want to, I want to start with the softball. Ready? Oh no. Is winning close games a skill? Oh, Okay. <laughs> Uh, kind of a softball, kind of not, but uh, it was supposed to if it is one. a skill, yeah, no, if it is a skill, it is uh, difficult to express. Um, the things that happen in close games that uh, determine outcomes uh, tend to not be repeatable, tend to uh, overwhelm the kinds of things necessary to consistently win close games. Uh, so things like clock management, things like awareness of what's happening in terms sidelines, uh, how aggressive or unaggressive you need to be. Those things matter and are important and are relevant to winning close games. Within a single season, you'll get uh, probably like five close games a year. The Vikings have nine, of course, um, five close games a year and uh, things like muffing a punt or blocking a field goal things that just don't seem to be something you can count on on a reliable basis seem to matter more than that kind of capacity to figure out how to quarterback but you know we do have evidence of quarterbacks getting better in close really good example of one who was actually really poor in close games because he was overly cautious uh and then has become more aggressive and much better in close games in the latter half of his career so it is kind of a skill um, it is difficult to tell when one has acquired that skill. How's that? I, I feel like that's a it's a good answer, but I want you to elaborate on why Justin Jefferson makes that an easier thing for the Vikings to do. 
Does he? I mean, because like the thing is, like I mean, obviously having a great receiver is going to be important in any game situation, right? Um, but it's not like he is uniquely better in close games than he is in blowouts, right? I mean, you'd prefer to have him in a blowout than in a close game. That's true. Uh, I, I feel I feel like we all watched the Buffalo game though, and it oh, was just that like was oh, phenomenal. The Justin <laughs> yeah. Jefferson is the difference. Here's 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 the crazy thing that. Uh, about Justin Jefferson. So uh, in college, he had like a 91% contested catch rate, something absurd, incredible contested catch rate. In the NFL, before that game, his contested catch rate was 33%. He was not winning contested catches. And it is an infrequent event. Uh, Every contested catch is different in some way. It is really difficult to consistently win contested catches year after year. There are three receivers, uh, now that Antonio Brown is gone, there are three receivers that uh, have been able to do it relatively consistently. Uh, Tyreek Hill, of all people, you know, like 5'10 or whatever, right? Uh, Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. <laughs> uh, it's 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 crazy how many times the Vikings got represented there, but um, it is it is difficult to win contested catches. And uh, since then, Justin Jefferson's one of the top contested catch, uh, catchers in the NFL. But that doesn't seem like a consistent thing to me, not because you can't be bad or good at contested catches. Of course, you'd be good at them. Uh, it is difficult to, given how rarely they actually happen in a, in a real NFL game, it is difficult to rely on that as a way to win close games. So, uh, yeah, having Justin Jefferson helps, but like having any good receiver helps. Any any receiver as good as Justin Jefferson, which there are not many, uh, are enormous assets to have late in the game. I can't tell you that... I would rather have uh, Justin Jefferson than, say, A.J. Brown or Stephon Diggs or Tyreek Hill in a close game. I feel like all of them would be pretty good assets to have. So, yeah, uh, but only insofar as he's like a good player to have. Jeremy, I feel like in the second segment, we're going to talk about one of those receivers that maybe you'd rather have. Yeah, well, we'll, uh, we'll talked about this. <laughs> we have talked about we broke this. Down. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to get to it. Uh, but let's stick with the, the when the Vikings have the, the ball and <clears throat> I guess this is because I don't know with this new coaching staff. I think, I think we talked in week three and you thought this might be a more pass heavy offense, you know, kind of moving away from where where they were before. And I don't know. I I, I keep digging in the stats. I keep watching tape and I'm, I guess I'm just going to start with another very generic question here. Like what, what do they do well on offense consistently? Anything? (laughs) Uh, What consistently? That's (laughs) unfair for you to add that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i mean what can we expect uh, them to potentially do good <laughs> d- don't you feel like looking at a record like 10 and 2 you would say like oh that's a team that consistently does something well the the whole reason jeremy trapped me with the question about close games <laughs> is because this is absolutely not a consistent team the way they've won games has been like different from week to week uh, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Like is showing that you can win multiple ways or is it we don't have an identity, we're just flailing and something, hopefully something bails us out by the end of the game. If if one week you block a punt and the next week you don't, are you good at punt blocking? <laughs> <laughs> so like, uh, that's, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like they're not going to be able to play against a former Vikings receiver who's fielding punts for some reason uh, late in games, right? Uh, the, the fact that they knew exactly how that guy fumbles was a pretty nice 
thing to have. <laughs> but you know, I, I don't know that I, I don't know that that's something that you can count on going forward. So I'll, I'll say this: um, the Vikings, generally speaking, have uh, done a pretty good job of enabling uh justin jefferson right obviously they didn't work against the lions it didn't work against the eagles but for the most part they've done a pretty good job finding ways to get him open finding ways to get him the ball to do that now in this last game uh against the jets jefferson only had i want to say like 49 yards and uh it's kind of the unique case where actually this time it's justin jefferson's fault uh he had uh two pretty big dropped catches um or dropped targets i should say um, that that would have pushed him over uh, whatever he needed to and probably would have taken the Vikings out of close game territory, if I'm being honest. Um, so for the most part, they've done a pretty good job finding ways to get Justin Jefferson open uh, and, and feeding him the ball. And they've done better in recent weeks of when he's not open, just throwing it to anybody else. Good God. I was so annoyed the first couple of weeks of the season, right? Which again, Lions were a big part of that when Justin Jefferson was just like, clearly not open, right? And and Kirk was like, "Well, I mean, let's do it." I don't, it was it was very obnoxious, <laughs> but they've gotten they've gotten good at that. Uh, they're not consistent about running the ball, whether it's to the inside, to the outside, uh, man running or zone running. Um, they've been able to string together some explosive plays. Those have gone away again. So uh, that's not something that they do really well. Uh, it's difficult to say the offensive line and pass protection is consistent. That's more of a Christian Darisaw was injured for a little bit, maybe injured for this game as well. Um, it's because it's his second concussion of the year. Um, so you take a little bit more time with that second one. Um, but, uh, you know, Brian O'Neill has been playing really well, but yeah, for the most part, the way that has been to get the ball to Jefferson. And then when they get into the red zone, if Jefferson hasn't scored, they'll, they'll probably find like, they're not a very good red zone offense except against the jets. Um, which most years would just be like, that doesn't count, but the jets are actually pretty good defense. Um, but normally they're not a very good red zone offense. And so you can't say like, well, it's, you know, they do all these tricks in the red zone, like the Jalen Rager run or the Justin Jefferson run, or, you know, these weird play actions with hot passes or whatever. Like, yeah, sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes they run the ball in the end zone. Uh, sometimes they do a pretty good job running a normal red zone offense, but not week to week and generally not very successfully. Well, I, I guess Arif, like just looking and you mentioned the Jets game and they put up 27 points against like a pretty darn good Jets defense and they put up 33 on the Patriots and, you know, skip a week against the Cowboys. But uh, they, they put up 33 on the Bills. So like the Vikings are a football team that can put up points in bunches. And there's a certain podcast that thinks that the Vikings are due to put up like a 50 burger on the Lions defense. Like how likely do you think it is that the Vikings have a perform like another performance in them where they can put up like 30 plus points. Like, are they an offense that you feel like can do that against any team any week? No, what? No, absolutely not. <laughs> um, so the, the, th- the 30 plus points against uh, new England, remember seven of those came on a kickoff return touchdown. Um, so that's important. Um, but also like, yeah, it is important to recognize in the last four weeks, the Vikings have gone up against, uh, four of probably the top six defenses in the NFL, depending on how you rank them. D- very good defense, generally speaking, right? Um, the Patriots one, I think, is just a little bit less relevant because the way the Patriots got there was by shutting down one-dimensional teams by taking away their one dimension. So for the Lions, obviously, it was the running game uh, at that point in the season. Um, it, same thing with the Browns, right? 
Um, but for the Vikings, I mean, they had multiple threats, right? Not just uh, Justin Jefferson, but they, you know, Dalvin Cook is still a threat. He just hasn't been as effective, you know, this year. Um, and they've been able to, to spread the ball around. So the Patriots relevant, I think, is their ability to score on the Jets defense, who's done a much better job of finding ways to take away multiple threats and having complete game plans for offenses. Um, you know, obviously the, the Cowboys game kind of relevant here as well. Uh, their inability to score against the Cowboys, probably meaningful. Um, I would not yet compare the Lions defense to the Cowboys defense, but, you know, something to keep in mind. Uh, and and the Bills defense, um, at the time the Vikings played them, they were, you know, a top whatever defense. But, you know, now without Von Miller, you know, after the fact, opponent adjusted rankings are not going to look as good. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, a lot of it is... Uh, attempting to find ways to adapt to how that defense operates. So, for example, New England, um, you know, they like their secondary, but they're very much a pass rush focused team. They get any defensive production usually by having a really strong pass rush. A lot of that's Matthew Judon. A lot of it's defensive design. Um, whereas, uh, you know, the Jets are, the Jets have a very good pass rush, but I mean, it's Sauce Gardner, right? It's Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. Um, and so, and the Cowboys are good at everything. So the Vikings didn't have an answer. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's kind of like a lot of it is that um, they did a pretty good job kind of diagnosing how those opposing defenses would operate. Um, they responded to that either by getting rid of the ball or, you know, finding ways to move linebackers out of their spots, you know, and play action, something, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, it has been finding ways to get Justin Jefferson open and then getting him the ball. Well, uh, you, you mentioned the red zone. Um, I hear that the, the Vikings have a, a, a somewhat new red zone threat at tight end. Uh, tell us how TJ Hawkinson has fit into the offense so far, and should the Lions be afraid of him? Oh, I thought you were talking about Ben Elfson just got back from IR. I thought that's who you were. <laughs> hey. Um, <laughs> TJ Hawkinson's very good. I actually don't – he doesn't seem to – the Vikings don't use him as a red zone threat right now. They right. just use him like – as a tight end. I mean, it's not like they avoid him in the red zone. It's right. more they don't give him any particular um, targets, any extra, you know, um, love in the red zone. Um, but yeah, uh, Hawkinson has largely been quite good for the Vikings. There's one game where uh, Cousins played well and he had like an under 60% completion rate. And a lot of it is because like Hawkinson dropped like three passes uh, and then lost a contested catch. It was like, it was very like, Jeremy, I asked you about this guy and you lied to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it was, it was, uh, that was a bit alarming, but for the most part, he is, um, you know, playing quite well, usually between the twenties. Um, but, you know, he's somebody that they did try to go to in the red zone. It wasn't working out in that game. Um, they're probably going to go back to him and, and see what they. Yeah. It, the the Vikings fixing the red zone offense, which is something arguably you could argue has happened over the past couple of weeks. I don't know that the data is there to support that. Um, has not been you know quote unquote fixed with the addition of T.J. Hawkinson. It was fixed alongside the addition uh, of T.J. Hawkinson. But I'm sure that you know as he gets more involved in the offense, they're going to want to involve him in a more real way in the. Um, a known week. It was a known weakness of the Vikings last year. So known weakness this year. They they don't have like red zone receivers, especially now that Adam Thielen seemingly. Sorry, you, you keep breaking out a little bit here and there. Um, but it, yeah, that's probably my internet. Yeah, it's whatever. Um, 
Did another guy I wanted to ask you about is, is you, you kind of briefly mentioned Christian Jer- Derrissaw, and I'm not going to ask you to guess whether he's going to play through a concussion or not. I know he's been limited in practice this week so far, um, but I guess what's the impact of him being in versus being out? Um, what What's his backup play like, and uh, and how important is he to that, that left tackle position, that offensive line in general, I should say? Yeah, um, I, I don't know uh, how seriously people take like PFF rankings. I, I certainly recognize criticism of them, but it should be noted that Christian Derrissaw is like the highest rated or at the moment, maybe second highest rated offensive tackle in PFF. Um, and I know his pass block win rate isn't like the highest in the world or anything like that, but it is pretty high. And the important thing here is that the Vikings uh, design their pass blocking plan as it were around him Mm. they put him on an island they split him out from the rest of the offensive you know people don't generally pay attention to offensive line splits but once you do christian derisaw is very weird he's like split out way far away from the rest of the offensive line and it's so that you know he's got a bead on speed rushers he widens out the pass rushing arc um, and so it takes him a little bit longer um, but it does make him more vulnerable to stuff like inside moves right be good at stopping them and he is um it also allows the entire interior offensive line sometimes with brian o'neill sometimes they'll, they'll split o'neill out sometimes he'll be part of the, those four in a slide protection it allows them to cover for each other and so it's been a really important part of the way they design their pass rush protection plan and also it allows them to put all five eligible receivers into a passing pattern whereas if you needed to give them help you know you'd have to chip or you'd have to keep someone in um and that's not something they'd be able to do and so they have fewer receivers available to him so he's been really important blake brandell um, has been very up and down. He had a really good game last week, um, but you know he's a backup left tackle. Uh, a lot of the stuff is not great, you know, that he's put on tape, uh, and uh, and he's been victimized. I would say that uh, even before uh, his great game last week, he has played above the expectation that you'd expect for a backup left tackle, um, and that say that you know he's performed fairly admirably in uh christian derisaw's absence but but certainly it is an enormous drop off and it changes the way that they can run that offense the vikings did just have to get rid of the ball quicker when when brandell was in there something that they did not adapt to very well when when derisaw first uh was uh taken out of the game with that first concussion so um it's it's a big problem but it is not as big a problem as i would have anticipated i i got one more question Sorry. okay I I had a mini one, but if you want to go ahead, you can go. Okay, mine's not a very serious one, so we don't have to take it very seriously. But where does Jalen Rieger get off? (laughs) (laughs) He's 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 a very confident person. (laughs) Why? Has he heard that? (laughs) Great, this is a very good question, actually. Um. Uh, he he's on a winning team. In fact, he's old, the only teams he's been on are doing real well this year. So, <laughs> <laughs> and he is the straw that stirs the drink. <laughs> he he leads the Vikings in yards per touch. So you shut your mouth. <laughs> that doesn't. Are you counting <laughs> kick returns because that doesn't or punt returns or whatever he does? That no, 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 no. Yards per offensive touch. Mm. He's one yeah. end around for like fifty yards or something. I is something like that, yeah. It's like one and a half touches a game, but they count. Hmm. I don't want to even ask my question anymore. Like, let's <laughs> just go to break. <laughs> For real? <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs>
<laughs> well, we'll take. Well, no, let, let me let me ask you a question, Ryan, because let, let's talk. Let's take a Lions viewpoint on this because I think I think this matchup is interesting. Um, last time the Lions were able to hold Justin Jefferson in check for most of that game, but then they were essentially beat by Adam Thielen and, and company in the second half. Um, but the Lions secondary looks a lot different this time around, right? Um, that was a game in, in which uh, you lose Tracy Walker. They started Juju Hughes, who uh, I think Lions fans may forget that. I don't actually, I don't even know if he's still on the team, if I'm being completely honest. Um, you were like I've, defending him to me. I remember this. I don't, I don't remember saying that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but now it's Kirby Joseph, obviously, and uh, no Manio Oruarie. And so you got Jerry Jacobs. So Ryan, do you think it's realistic to expect the Lions to hang with this good set of receiving core again, like they did in the first matchup. And maybe, I mean, maybe they are even better. I mean, they faced a pretty good Jacksonville Jaguars receiving core and, and held up. Okay. Last week. Yeah. I, I feel like the thing that is working in the lion's favor this week, especially is that I feel like a lot of the Vikings offensive production was, Hey, Amani or is on the field. Let's yeah. just attack that guy relentlessly uh, because he cannot cover Adam Thielen. And, you know, whether it was a flag or it was a Thielen catch, like, I feel like that's really what got the Vikings back in the game. But, like, I guess this leads into my question. I'll ask Arif, whatever. But, like, we'll 14- include our guest. We'll include him, whatever. <laughs> so so the Lions are up 14 nothing at one point. Um, they're up mm-hmm. 24-14, you know, going into the fourth quarter. And what you were talking about earlier, Reef, and like the Vikings ability to like, hey, you know, we're going to attack this part of the Patriots defense or we're going to attack, you know, this part of the Bills defense and we're going to find success with it. Are the Vikings a team that under O'Connell, are they showing just this because they clearly did against the the Lions, but like, are they showing this ability to like adapt and then conquer? Is, Is that... Is that their MO? Like, I, I'm still I'm kicking it back to the first question that Jeremy had where it's like, how the hell are the Vikings yeah. with 10 wins? <laughs> that uh, <laughs> uh okay, so yes and no. The the adaptation question. Um, so the Vikings are the most dominant opening drive offense apparently in NFL history, but certainly um as long as the statistic has been tracked. Um I believe out of like, was it 12 opening drives? Yeah, there's been 12 games. They've scored like nine touchdowns and a field goal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then, and you know, and and then the follow-up drive is usually all right. And then in the second quarter, they kind of stall. They don't really do much. They move the ball. They don't score. The third quarter, they somehow give up like 40 points a game in the third quarter alone. Um, That's an exaggeration. I'm sure someone's going to stat check me that that's not what's happening, but it feels like 40 points. Right. And they're definitely not scoring. Uh, on offense and then in the fourth quarter um they revealed that they were fighting left-handed or something i don't know man uh <laughs> and they could argue right that it is not a great sign of your ability you when you stall in the second quarter and you can't score at all in the third quarter right um and then in the fourth quarter when like when when things just happen in the final two minutes right? You're playing a five-minute defense or a two-minute defense. That's not the defense that you were up against. Uh, And so did they adapt? I don't know. 
<laughs> but but certainly it seems like there's some element of that, right? Certainly it seems like, you know, they they figured out what defense, but maybe they're just kind of late to the party. It's it's like it's like when um it, it's like somebody who is extremely smart but takes forever to answer a question. It's like, oh is like the t- the test is timed. And so and so there's a there's a limit to that kind of value. I think that's fair. All right. We'll take a break on that one. When we come back, we're going to talk about when the Lions have the football and and how the Vikings defense stacks up. When we come back here on First Bite, previewing the Lions Vikings week 14 with Arif Hassan from Pro Football Network. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back after a lengthy break uh, here to preview Lions Vikings with Arif Hassan from Pro Football Network. Let's talk about when the Lions have the football. Uh, Lions offense has been rolling mostly all year, especially when they're healthy, and uh, they do appear to be healthy. Going into this week, Arif, let's talk about that Vikings defense, though, and I want to start with the secondary. Let's go Let's go back to front. Um, not usually advised, but uh, let's... <laughs> sorry. Cameron Dantzler might be returning. How big of a return is he? I'm sorry. <laughs> you think you think with a discussion like that, you want to start at safety, right? <laughs> I feel like safety first is sure. Yeah, really important when you're going Smith back play? to is front. He good still. <laughs> what a stupid podcast. 
<laughs> well, uh, also, uh, Harrison Smith knows how to play a clean game, unlike his podcast. Uh, <laughs> All right. All right. Here we go. I'm going to reset. Okay. I'm going to talk yeah, about Harrison Smith. All uh-huh. right. None of this is getting edited out, but go ahead. No. Yeah. Fantastic. Go. Fantastic. <laughs> Uh, no, Harrison Smith is playing uh, pretty good football. I think he's second in the league in interceptions. Um, could end up uh, the season first because first is Cesar Gardner Johnson, who's out for the season. Um, but uh, he's playing really well, but the Vikings aren't really utilizing him all that well. You know, he's primarily known for like having a diverse skill set, being able to rush the passer, stop the run, play in the box, play high, um, even play man coverage in the slot a little bit, although he's not as good there. And the Vikings have primarily played him as a cover two safety, and that's it. They haven't really brought him down. Um, they haven't had him blitz all that much. I think he's had like two or three blitzes on the year. Um, they haven't played as a dime linebacker or something that he's pretty good at. Um, they only really have him play as a cover two safety. So he's playing well within his role, but it's kind of underutilized and uh, as a result, right? Like, I think that he is playing well enough to, or he's talented enough, I should say, to like be uh, in Pro Bowl consideration, right? But I wouldn't hold it against anybody not voting for him in the Pro Bowl because if you put a talented player in a position where they're not talented enough to make all the plays that they need to, then they're not a Pro Bowl player, right? Like, it's it's kind of like that. It's you've got, um, you've got a Ferrari and you're treating it like a Honda, basically. I mean, he's still playing really well. Um, he's still one of the top safeties in the league, but it's just kind of not showing up because they're just having him cover a deep zone for most of the snaps. I know Jeremy wanted to go back to front, but I got to ask Jeremy a question. Um, how much of a difference does Evan Brown make? <clears throat> uh, a significant one, um, if he plays. Uh, I'm not I'm not 100% told that he plays, but he's obviously returned to practice, so um, it's a good sign. <clears throat> I, I was on a recent podcast talking about the, the big hole that has been at right guard all season long. And he's really been the only one to, to fill it in a, in a, in an appropriate way in in a, an acceptable way, I, I guess I should say, <clears throat> but, uh, but it's big, right? Because, and, and we can, we can move this to, to reef now it's in terms of the Vikings pass rush. I know most of it successfully has come from the edges, but um, that's not to say you can't use your edges guys inside. So um, I guess, where do the Vikings like to attack with those two really good edge players? And why hasn't it translated, I guess, to a good overall pass rusher? Has it? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm uh, misreading it, it, there. It primarily has not, uh, especially mm. in um, sort of the first six, seven games of the season. The pass rusher has gotten a lot better. Um, I would say the amount of pressure that they get is still not commensurate to the amount of talent we all perceive the Vikings to have. Mm-hmm. Um, Zedaria Smith is still playing really excellent football. Um, he is, um, again, kind of one of the top edge rushers in the NFL, which personally I actually didn't expect. I, I thought that you know his 2019 season was actually a little bit more of a fluke, and then everything around it suggested that he was primarily an above-average player, not an elite player. But he's playing really, really well. And Daniil Hunter, first half of the season, was not – um, adapting well to his new role as a stand-up rusher, you know he's he's really used to to rushing um, you know, from a three-point stance, and now he has. Now he's doing a really good job generating pressure and, and getting into the backfield. Um, unfortunately, they they did miss Dalvin Tomlinson for a number of games with a calf injury, uh, and that's the closest thing they have to like an interior pass rush. He's actually a much better pass rusher than I expected, but it's still, I mean. When you were on uh, my show, you talked about Alan McNeil moving him from nose tackle to three technique kind of really made his case as like a, a really good player, but he still wasn't like a premier pass rusher. Kind of the same thing with Dalvin Tomlinson. He's much better in the three technique position, certainly a much better pass rusher, 
but he's not like an amazing pass rusher. He's just a lot better than I expected him to be. Um, The biggest issue is that when the Vikings have to rotate their line, you know, they go to Patrick Jones and DJ Wanham and uh, James Lynch and just all these guys that just don't have a strong history of production. Like Patrick Jones is coming off of, you know, a good game for him, maybe the best game of his career. And, you know, it's unfortunate that that's the case because, you know, he doesn't have much else to point to or, or, or uh, a, like I said, a history of production. So some of it is just when when that line has to rotate, they absolutely cannot get pressure and that contributes to a poor pressure total. And some of it is, you know, they have, they have difficulty getting offenses uh, out of sync on first down, so they don't really earn the right to rush the passer on third down. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't always, you know, have to do necessarily with the pass rush. Uh, in terms of like, they do know how to attack, right? They do know like, you know, if if the right guard is going to be an issue, they are going to just put Darius Smith over him. I mean, he plays all across the line and he does a really excellent job. Um, you know, they do an excellent job hunting matchups for him and he does an excellent job exploiting them. So that's kind of how the pass rush works, but it is um, kind of a disappointment given all the investment there. There is a lot of talent to work with, though. Well, it seems like there's also a lot of talent in the secondary, like Patrick Peterson still playing at a, at a pretty high level. You, you you guys might get Cameron Dantzler back, and and you you talk about um, safety, who we just talked about. Sorry, I'm I'm losing all focus now. But Harrison again, Smith, yeah, Harrison Smith, exactly. Yeah, there, there's still at least statistically a, a not very good pass defense. So where where's the breakdown happening there? Uh, there's a couple of reasons that that's happening. One is that Jordan Hicks is not playing very well at linebacker as a coverage backer. Mm-hmm. So there are just a ton of opportunities over the middle of the field. But in terms of the secondary, a lot of it has to do with the injuries that they've had there. So Cameron Dancer goes out, he goes on IR. Um, so they bring in Andrew Booth. Andrew Booth, uh, historically very injured in college, actually very injured in high school too. Um, when the Vikings drafted him, he mentioned like, this is the first time I feel healthy since middle school. And he said it was, he said it as if it was a positive and all the beat writers were like, I don't know about that. That's, <laughs> that's a red flag. <laughs> and, and lo and behold, uh, that, that, that health did not sustain itself over the course of the season. He actually had a number of injuries um, this year for the Vikings, despite not playing very many snaps. Um, so yeah, that's an issue. Uh, and then when he got injured, uh, they brought into Caleb Evans, who actually played pretty well, played better than Booth. Then he got a concussion. So they, they bring in Duke Shelley off the Bears practice squad. And he plays way better than I ever imagined. But like he's not like good, right? So like it's, it's just one of those things where it's like you have an expectation for a player. He absolutely demolishes your expectations. And that's not a ton of value for the team. Like it's like he's just going to get beat. Like it's just going to happen. He got beat a lot less often than I thought. He had some pretty good plays and some individual targets, but it's just not good. Um, there's that. Uh, Chandon Sullivan has been probably one of the worst slot corners in the league. Not the absolute worst by any stretch, but one of the worst slot corners in the league. And so that's where a lot of this is coming from. I am still worried about Patrick Peterson. Uh, teams are attacking him with speed. He no longer has it. Um, and uh, he has gotten extremely lucky this year hmm. in terms of receivers beating him deep and then dropping the pass. <laughs> And so his numbers look pretty good, and he has had some amazing plays. I mean, we saw the end of the Buffalo game where he was able to seal the game with uh, with a pick. But like, you know, his great plays are there. They're fundamentally who we are, who he is. But there are just some problems that the teams can exploit. So those are all parts of the problem. Cameron Dantzler is a very good corner, but at the beginning of the year, um, 
he had a lot of problems in terms of miscommunication with uh with Cameron Bynum the other safety um and and passing off uh you know in zones to like Jordan Hicks or Eric Hendricks um and it led to a lot of mistakes and so there would be games where Cameron Dancer would in the span of six plays have like three nearly game winning plays like a forced fumble a near pick um a great pass deflection on third down and then two game ending plays where it's like, okay, well, you just allowed 30 yards and then you allowed 40 yards and a touchdown. Cool. Um, so it was, it was a problem, right? But like the instincts and the fundamentals were there and they were able to address the miscommunications. And so he improved pretty rapidly before his injury. Um, so getting him back is going to be enormous, especially if those miscommunication problems really are in the past. I feel like we talked about the pass defense so much, so we got to talk about the rush defense. And I, I think, I think my question is, Arif, like the Lions are a team that I feel like a lot of people understood, especially at the beginning of the season. Like this is a team that wants to run the football and they want explosive plays and they want to, you know, maybe grind out these like 12, 13, 14, 15 play drives. And today, Jeremy, like Ben Johnson was like, you know, it's better than a 15 play drive, a three play drive. And the Lions have kind of turned into this team where it's it, it's a little less run oriented in the sense that like it gets up off the ground because of its creativity in the passing game and and taking advantage of things over the field. So that's why I think like, you know, you mentioned the the linebackers and coverage. But like it seems like their linebackers have been pretty darn good in terms of their run defense. I mean, you know, you take a look at I, I guess the PFF grades for you know Jordan Hicks, uh, someone you mentioned, and Eric Kendricks. Like these guys are still making a difference in the run game, are they not? Yeah, um, Hicks is an all right run defender. I can't really speak to how PFF came to you know their their strong conclusions with regards to his run defense but um he still has like the physical capability that he's always had he was a super athlete coming out of texas um played really well for um philadelphia before going to arizona and that was um kind of a big part of the reason that they wanted him some of it was to kind of replace Ray Anthony Bardos but he doesn't blitz as well um but yeah i mean the, really the key to the run defense is less what Hicks and even Eric Hendricks can do. And Eric Hendricks is playing really well against the run. And more the fact that the Vikings just signed two enormous run stuffers up the middle, right? They, well, I shouldn't say signed, right? Because they recommitted to Dalvin Tomlinson and then they signed Harrison Phillips, who is really phenomenal. I mean, he is basically a pure nose tackle, right? But um, I mean, he's playing really, really excellently in that regard. Um, what I find kind of funny is that, like, I think if you look at DVOA and you take a look at, like, expected points, the Vikings' run defense is not as good as that PFF grade. I think it's, like, what, sixth in in PFF or something like that? Um, and a lot of that, I think, has to do with the fact that those, like, your grade has a cap on it that if you give up an explosive play, it would be sometimes your PFF grade will be just as bad as it would have been otherwise. Um, whereas, you know, EPA is not like that, right? It just, it just tells you what the difference is between the first play and the last play. And if that's enormous, if it was an explosive play, it, it's not really the same. So I think that might be part of it is that they were giving up explosive runs. Um, but you know, there are times where like James Lynch will get, um, you know, blown back in the run game. You know, he can't handle a double team. He's supposed to nominally be a nose tackle. They've moved him to defensive end again, and he's still not really doing a great job of of holding uh, his own there. DJ Wanham will overrun plays. Um, so the run defense has really high points, but again, it's kind of, I think, a situation where you just, it's primarily that front four set of starters. Like the depth there is just not 
there. I mean, they did grab Kyrus Tonga off the uh, the Bears practice squad again, um, and he has been lights out. Like, not even good for a guy that grabbed off of someone else's practice squad. Just, like, good, um, which is nice, uh, and it helps with their depth issues, but um, it does create uh, some problems. Uh, the corners tackle well. The safeties definitely tackle well. And I think that all contributes to to the run defense being, I think, a little bit better than the pass defense. But I still think there are some issues there. I mean, Jordan Hicks will still misdiagnose plays. Um, Zedarius Smith is just not a good run defender for all the things that he is good at. Um, but, you know, Daniil Hunter is an extremely high-level run defender. I already mentioned Dalvin Thompson, Harrison Smith. So there are, like, some really good elements and some really uh, problematic elements. All right, and I think with that, we're going to move the, to the prediction portion of our podcast, the, the portion that we call the one thing we think we know where we give out one prediction for the game, not necessarily score prediction or a winner prediction, but if you want to do that, you can. But one thing about the game that you are sure is going to happen, and if you want to get a little spicy, you can get a little spicy. Ryan, you're always the one to lead us off, and this week is no different. Ryan, what is the one thing you think you know about Lions-Vikings? Yeah, just to revisit last week, I said that, Amon Ross St. Brown would have a uh, career performance. Unfortunately, he Very didn't. Close. Yeah, 114 Un- yards. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, just two touchdowns. Rough. Um, Rough. <laughs> you know, he... Uh, <laughs> Sometimes he was, you take a swing and miss, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, it, it sucks. I was nine yards away from him being actually good, but he just had a <laughs> middling performance. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go Amon Ross St. Brown again this week, but what I'm going to say is... Uh, the past three out of the past four weeks, he's had over a hundred yards receiving. Um, I'm going to say that he does it again. Like this is another game that I think Amon Ra is just perfect for in terms of, you know, what Arif just talked about the middle of the field being a area of concern for the Vikings in terms of them being able to cover. I'm going to say that Amon Ra St. Brown makes it four out of five weeks. He has, uh, over a hundred yards receiving. All right. I'll throw it to you next, Arif. What is the one thing you think you know about Lions Vikings? Uh, one thing I think I know is that you have mealworms in your bed, and that's very weird. <laughs> um, beyond that, I think I think the Vikings uh, will do a better job figuring out how to use Justin Jefferson. I think uh, Jefferson will will lead both teams in receiving yards. That seems fair. I don't, I don't I, if if Aaron Glenn can somehow devise a plan to stop Justin Jefferson twice in one season, but that, that would statue. be crazy. That would be wild. Right. Um. All right. Uh. The one thing I think I know about this game, I'm I think I'm just going to go back to the well I did last week, and I was wrong last week. I said both teams would score thirty points. Uh. I got I got one of those teams right. I think I think both teams are going to score thirty points in this one too. I think I think it's it's got shootout written all over it. Um. And and as much as I, I'd like to believe the Lions defensive improvement, which has been drastic in the past five or so weeks, um, I, th- I think this is going to be a, a more difficult test, a, a true number one receiver that they I mean, they they, they saw obviously Stefan Diggs a couple of weeks ago, um, but I don't know. It, Jeff Okuda might not play. I mean, he's he's, he's missed pe- the first two uh, practices with with an illness. You never know with an illness. Maybe maybe they're just pumping him full of fluid and strange how so many NFL players have illnesses right this year. I don't really know what that's about. Right. Especially right now. Huh? Hmm. Weird. Anyways. Uh, so I'm going to go with both teams go 30 points in this game. Uh, before we close things out, Arif, I want to give you an opportunity to plug your stuff. Anything non-sticker related, please. 
Oh, okay, God. you can find uh, Arifasan throw pillows at norsecode.threadless.com. <laughs> uh, we also have shower curtains, notebooks, mugs, face masks. It's the holiday season, right? Um, both uh, Norse Code merch and uh, Arif wreaths. They're a wreath merchant, so it's like my face on a Christmas wreath. Is this all real? Yeah, dude, go, head over to the website, man. It's all there. Um, <laughs> you know, the chat would know if you didn't keep banning me. <laughs> um, just typical jeremy and i not doing research on our guest yeah, <laughs> no. uh the curtains stick when they're wet because they are shower curtains i will say that jay pook <laughs> um but uh otherwise you can um you can uh you can listen to my podcast north code jeremy was just on it um wherever podcasts are sold uh but yeah it's it's just called the norse code podcast um or you can find my work over at pro football network pro football network.com uh slash author slash a hassan or no it's a no it's a hassan yeah doesn't matter if you go there you'll be able to uh you'll be able to find my work just a um, singular hassan a one hassan um <laughs> i i've written about dan snyder i think like three times now ever since i joined back in september uh don't love that want to stop being on the dan snyder beat so if you're watching Pro Football Network, put, put, put Kent on it. Kent, Kent's good. Yeah, yeah there you, you go. Like Kent. Yeah, put the draft guy on Dan Snyder. <laughs> Listen, I trust Kent's takes on Dan Snyder. Anyways, uh, Ken, I almost called you Kent. Arif, thank you for joining us, man. Uh, appreciate you making some time. Uh, you're you're one of our favorite guests, and, and you're one of clearly our live audience's favorite guests, and I'm sure... <laughs> our our podcast audiences as well so thank you for making time thank you everybody for listening uh we'll be back with our main pod cast after the game uh we'll be recording later at night since i'll be at the game so 7 30 ish on our twitch channel twitch.tv slash pride of detroit or you can always catch us the next morning on our podcast feed but until then for ryan i'm jeremy thank you all for listening it's chaos be kind <laughs>